All right, cheers, man. Cheers, brother. We still we rolling? Yeah, we rolling. Modern folk, they make good friends. I'm just starting to figure it out. Don't lose yourself to loneliness because modern folk are all around. Friends, friends and family. Friends and family. Yes. Um, humans of the earth. I'd like to welcome you back to the podcast. And we got Mr. Caleb Bowers here for round two. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Caleb Bowers. You also may know me as KJ. Caleb John Bowers. It's good to have you on the show. Caleb, what are you doing up in Lincoln? You're in my house right now. Man, this is a cool experience. I got to first off tell you, Ty. Um, First off, thanks for for, um, allowing me to crash on your couch for a few nights for this. Absolutely. The couch that we had to get from my van. <laughs> yes, we did. We pulled it out, out of your van and we set it up in the corner of the wall. It was great. It was great. So what did you do today? Okay, so I was at Vintage Market Days. And if you folks don't know about it, it's anything you can think of vintage. For decor, type of drinks, type of clothing. Vintage drinks? Vintage drinks, yep. There's a hot chocolate company that was in there, and they're selling their hot chocolates they made. I think it was Clint and Ashley. Clint and Ashley, yep. All right, shout out Clint and Ashley. Clint and Ashley, yep. At the Vintage Market Days. I forgot the company's name, but there's a few things I might want to get there. That might be like $150 negative in my pocket if I spend money there when I'm there to... It's a lot of hot cocoa. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be a lot hot cocoa, but I didn't... I I didn't you know only have my eyes set on the cocoa. I had like there's some cool stuff there. They have like these really nice vintage hats. I'm I'm looking for that that nice fedora hat. I think I may have found it. <laughs> I don't know, but that would be a real cool hat to get. Um, what else do they have there? Some interest. There's like some cool vintage shirts that had like uh, a pumpkin on it. There's like cool like shirts that had Santa Claus, but it'd be like had red sleeves and it have like a really nice Santa Claus on it and nice cotton. Not like that crappy fabric cotton that you get at uh um you know offside market shore you know mm-hmm. uh, so vintage market days how many vendors were there about gosh there's probably 60 to 100 vendors at least wow there's quite a few yeah we had some noise complaints so i had to keep it down there's some pretty conservative people there as much love they didn't, as they much didn't. loves to being a conservative they didn't like that rock and roll. So, Caleb, I, I, you, uh, I don't know. I don't know. you're up here playing music for this. Not, thing. not everybody's going to like what you're I playing do. music. You're doing your, I uh, got your acoustic and your electric. You played electric today. Yeah. So I played electric today. I tried something different. I wanted to switch it up and, and get how it. How did that me. go? As expected. You got a cool telly. I like my telly. She's beautiful. It's not American, but it's American, uh, player series. Um, nice guitar. I really enjoy it. It's clean. It's set up right. It's intonated. It sounds good. I'm starting to know some tuning issues, so I gotta I gotta change the strings. They're getting kind of old. I may even take the acoustic out tomorrow, and wail on that thing for a bit too. So we'll see how it goes. But it was a pretty good day. Um, I don't know if you guys want to hear about the process of like internally as a musician processing everything. Not only with people in the crowd, but 
uh, technically as well and trying to find a balance between that. And it was a smooth balance. I noticed when I perform and I haven't done it for a while, I kind of get the nerves going for a few days. Mm-hmm. When a few days get closer and closer to it, they get like warmer and they get more, um, your chest gets more warmer in a sense of the nerves. You know what I mean? And, uh, but then you just go past the days and then you're there at the event. And now it comes, comes to the point where I'm kind of feeling like, um, you're more prepared and you're not as nervous cause you've already done it quite mm-hmm. a few times. I've got eight more shows to finish out for the rest of the year. And I don't know if that's a lot of shows for solo artists to be doing that, but I mean, at this point, I'm probably at the busiest of my side hustle I've been in a while. I mean, this is like, I, I push it That's pretty good. hard. I usually stretch this out for a few years. Like, this many years, I'll do like maybe 15 shows. Now that I'm up to like 20-some shows. If not, yeah, I'll be up in about 20-some shows. Yeah, but a lot of hours in it, too. I enjoy, I enjoy, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Yeah, and... uh just briefly mention the last uh, festival thing that you did mm-hmm. and uh, oh. how you felt about that. The Praise Fest. Yeah, man. You were rock- walking around angels and you don't even know it. I like to look at things that way in certain situations. And you I write like, a song. I like- just write a song about that. Yeah, and I like helping good people out, especially if it wasn't for me supporting just, you know, KJ Bowers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone that actually writes good music here in Kansas, or not, we're in Nebraska. Uh, sorry, folks who are listening in Nebraska or from Nebraska. I'm a Kansas guy. As much as I love your state, Nebraska. Cross the border up the <laughs> big Nebraska. Yes. But... He's a good artist. It was the Praise Fest. It was it was it was it was a good experience. It was meaningful too. And I rehearsed with those guys. We had three re- I had three rehearsals before we 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 all did it together. And for a first show, it wasn't too bad. It was actually it's pretty good. We had, you know, we had a, a song or two where we fluked spots and fluked up a few spots, but we're pretty tight. And when you got five guys playing with each other, you can cover a lot of ends and sounds and stuff. And I, I've been working the, I got this Helix line six board, so I've got a good tonality set up with it that I've, that sounds good for what they're doing. Certain sounds, rock tones. Um, nice. So I'm, I feel I'm pretty, um, I'm, uh, um, I'm happy within myself because it's a tedious process doing this kind of stuff and it's not for everybody. Um, that's right. So what about the new shows that you have lined up? Yes. You're doing, um, some like band gigs and acoustic band gigs. Shows? Yeah. I, I, pl- I have eight more shows to finish out the rest of the year. These next two shows going to be tomorrow from 10 to two and then Sunday from 10 to two. And I got Ty Rimpy special guest coming in to play a set or two. Yours truly. Yeah. Coming out Sunday. Coming out Sunday, so it'll be, uh, uh, if I release this, I can release it like tonight or tomorrow, and then mm-hmm. people can hear it before then. So, what is it? October first. When is that? 
if you so tomorrow is October first, two thousand twenty-two, and October second is also Vintage Market Days at the Lancaster County Fairgrounds. Yes. Yeah, the the event's pretty cool. Um, Dan and Lim Fleming, God bless them. They're they're good folks. They uh, they're really cool people. They're they're cool people, and they get the events and they do these big events. I mean, you know, you have when you're managing 60 to 100 vendors, can you imagine? This is also the first year it's been in Lincoln, which it is. It is. It's pretty cool that they can kind of pull weight to just go to a new city and they can, yes, throw something like this. Yeah, I got to talk to Len about the marketing aspect of that because it's 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 pretty neat what what she's doing. See see folks, it's a fran- it's a it's a it's a franchise. So it's different parts of the country you can own vintage market days and the name brand in that sense or you could sell it later if you wanted to um and i know dan and lynn have they've done the george georgia market for the longest time and um now they're up in lincoln which is more in their area and closer to home for them so um yeah they had the one up in, in lincoln i lincoln and wichita i think those are the two if i'm correct on that so it's a big event. I mean, it was, it was so cool. You had a lot of good folk people that were there, you know, kids dancing a little bit and nice mothers and daughters. It's, it's a, it's, it's a positive family interaction, you know? <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. When was the last time you were in Lincoln, Nebraska? 2015. And you were doing a show at the bourbon. Yes. I did a, a show at the bourbon, not the big stage. Yeah. Everybody thinks <clears throat> it's a big stage, you know? And that's what I thought when I was going to play there, but nope, I played the front stage, which the front stage is just as badass. It's more up. It's more. It's more intimate. It's more intimate and upfront. Yeah, and there's been a lot of bands that have traveled throughout the years that played at the Bourbon, huh. in the front house. So I was fortunate to get a show there, and at, the, at that time I had a band called The Revenues, and and we were headlining for the Metal Rave. There were another band there. And I think they're looking to get bookings. They got the last slot because they're from Lincoln themselves, and. Um, so we, um, a couple of bands played and then we played and then the last band played and, uh, they're, they're pretty cool. I don't think they, they exist anymore. Metal, the metal, metal rave, I believe that's what their name is, but I think they might've changed it again. I can't quite remember. The lead guitar player is a, uh, um, um, LGBT, uh, person, a queer person. Um, if they so claim that. Yeah. Um, that's, it's fucking rock and There's roll. There's a lot of artists that are. That's rock and roll, man. I mean, and it's, it lives here in Nebraska. I don't care if you love a horse. <laughs> no, that, that might be a little too far. No, but, uh, uh, the, the guy's pretty cool or she's, I'd respect. She's, she's pretty nice. cool. Yeah. She's pretty cool. Um, I only follow her on Facebook now, but I've, I've had a couple of interactions with that person and it's, it's pretty cool. And, she knows her stuff like really good, like guitar rigs, like knows tone alley, know has how to record tweak stuff. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a real deal. Mm. Well, I'm excited to show you Lincoln and like a lot has changed since 2015. Yes. Oh, I've also played at Duffy's, I believe too. Oh, nice. In town. That was a couple months after that. We got another show and that was a, that was a fun one. And I'm glad I'm back, man. It's it's cool to be back in this town. And when finding out that you live in Lincoln now, like, mm-hmm. 
the Haymarket, that's like all new since then. Is You'll it? enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, we got some exploring to do. I'm excited to check it out. What, so the Haymarket, um, when was that put in? Um, Probably around that time. Maybe so f- for sure before then. Yeah. Um, But like Pinnacle Bank Arena was built, I don't know, 2014. Okay. And there's just a lot of new development around there. A lot of hip places, trendy hip shops. Places, and, trendy uh, shops. Good food. The rail yard. So the rail yard... That was probably put in like yeah, twenty thirteen or fourteen, but it got really popular and it's like on game days that's where people go and there's a big video wall and people watch the game and okay get fucked up. <laughs> cool, good we can get there before the excitement hits. Yeah, the problem it won't be too crazy tonight, but tomorrow you never know. There might be like probably seventy, sixty, seventy percent of the excitement tonight. I, I bet. I bet so. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for having me here. How's me, guys? Ty Rempe is such a good host. You well, cooked breakfast you. for me in the morning, dude. That was awesome. You bet. Tucked you in bed. You tucked me in bed. Shit. What about that salmon last night? Oh my. Okay, let me tell you something about mm. Ty Rempe here, folks. This guy, I come here. He calls me up. Hey, I got some salmon if you're hungry. And I had a I had a, a tuna sandwich where I came down, but. You, you know, I, I, I'm i a pretty skinny dude, so I go through a lot of calories quick. And actually, by the time we ate about 8 thir- 8.30, 8.40. Yeah, it's probably like, yeah. I was getting hungry. I was getting pretty hungry. And I, folks, I tell you, that salmon, oh, my goodness. Where'd you buy that salmon? From a Super Saver. Super Saver. Okay. It wasn't like the highest quality salmon, but yeah. it was good, fresh. And uh, that smoke, the it like makes this like crust around everything it's kind of like almost a crispy yeah oh that so, was tasty what kind of seasoning did you put on that uh so pepper flakes salt um ground pepper and uh just like i had like a mix of shit like yeah. paprika and stuff damn but mostly just uh salt and pepper salt and pepper and Oops. then and then i had a uh, thyme and rosemary with butter and I slathered it all over there. That is so what. So that's what gave it that. Mm, that. That that luster. That, yeah. Oh yeah, that luster. <laughs> that, that's luster. That that's mouth luster. That mouth luster of juiciness. And when you bit into that salmon, folks, this it was tender, it was nice, and it was pink in the middle. <laughs> Just how I like it. Uh, speaking of luster, so <laughs> this morning I uh, snuck a. Uh, a squirt yeah. of your Creed cologne. Okay, tell me about this. So I sprayed it on myself. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's 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 some stuff. And then I go to work, and I kind of forget about it. Kay. And then, like, all day, I'm just like, damn, I smell like, I don't know, it, like, reinvigorated me. It was like I was this, like, oxen or something, uh, <laughs> a wild lion hunting <laughs> for a lioness. <laughs> I was a a bull moose in the rut. <laughs> a bull moose in the rut. That's good. Uh, uh, it's yeah, that shit's the real deal. Did you get any compliments at all? Nah, no. no. But I can smell it. Like I can still smell it. I've I had that, caught a whiff. I've had that bottle for a while, and um, a new fresh batch would have been good. I think it's the freshest. That I mean, that's, oh no, that stuff's pretty good. It's just uh it's uh potent. Two two squirts would have. 
That'd be too much. Too much. One squirt is all you need. Mm-hmm. And like, I never spray it directly on me. I spray it on something, and then I rub it in like a, usually my, my wrist, and then my top neck, and I think that just kind of covers. And then having good body wash. I've been. I have this like body wash, like frankincense and sandal wood in Ooh, it. Ooh, nice. Good stuff. Yeah. And um, I recently got my hair cut, and I like that uh, quality of shampoo. And then also some body wash. I'm into frankincense right now. There's just something about it that just is like it's mystical. It just feels like it's uh, frankincense and myrrh and sandalwood Mm -hmm. and leather. Just those smells acquainted into one. It's, yeah. That's some uh, classic sense. It's it's ancient. Spiritual healing. Yeah. Frankincense uh, reminds me of going to church. You know what? And but I like it. I, I like the smell. That's why I'm I'm so enamored by it because I like the smell. It's just so. I remember in church, just my natural instinct was just like, whoa, whoa, you know, just smelling that stuff. It, I don't know. So it brings back memories, and it's peaceful. Whatever it is, it's peaceful. Let's talk about aliens. Do if, you if you're into this kind of stuff? Believe that aliens have came to the earth. I'm pretty sure they have. I'm pretty. I, can 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 I give evidence? No, but do you need my evidence? So I'm pretty sure that they're out there. Pretty certain of it. I bet they are too. I'm pretty skeptical that they uh, came to the Earth. Let's talk or that about people have seen them. Let's talk about the location of Kansas and Nebraska. I have a story I can tell you. You um, saw shit. Well. I've seen a lot of different shit out there. Now, was it aliens? Who knows? But what I saw, this is probably two months ago. All right? I'm, I'm in I'm two months ago, and I'm looking towards the... Um, I'm looking to the east. I'm looking to the east, and I saw this thing take off, and it was blue. It was blue, and it it, uh, it looked like a sonic wave blast. Now, it could have been military, but this was a bit different. This had, like, it was a blue mist around. It's like they had different huh. fire fire rockets or something that, like... Yeah, it could have been a rocket that launch. Took, it could have been, Like, yeah. those SpaceX launches, like, over L.A., those look like alien. Like, they're alien shit. Like, it's big plumes of blue That might have, That's probably was it. Going in waves that's it that's exactly what it was there's like six to seven different dimensions have you seen the starlink satellites i have not can you see them from nebraska yeah most definitely but they're kind of hard to pick out um un- unless you get it right after launch so one time i was outside and i saw these like dot 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 a line of dots in the sky and i was like what's going on and then yeah. i was like oh that's drones it's got to be drones and I Googled, and, like, the first thing that popped up was SpaceX, Starlinks, uh, and, like, what it looks like, and it was, it was that, and it was incredible, so if you get it at just, uh, whatever, dusk, it reflects off of the, like, sun, so it's really bright, mm-hmm. and what I saw was 60 satellites in a line, and they were just going in orbit, so you could catch wow. it, like, periodically. Damn kind of trippy it is trippy i wonder how that like goes around the planet for so long before it gets you know i think they only last five years 
That's five it? or six years. Yeah. In outer space. Those guys, because they're low Earth orbit. So yeah. that's like, oh, so it's very, it's much lower than um, other satellites. Is he trying to? Is Elon Musk? Is he trying to cover the Earth in free Wi-Fi? Is that the? Is that that's the that's the goal? Is that right? I think so. Cover the Earth in Wi-Fi. I don't know if free, but make, certainly well, make internet accessible around the world. It may not be, really. It might not be for nice. free, but it could be for free for so many days or so many years. Uh, within certain it'll probably locations. be free for educational use or something. For, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be for money, though. Here's an idea: <laughs> if you no have someone going to reason to do it, no, in the middle of nowhere, and they want Wi-Fi, they need access to Wi-Fi. They get it, and they get it for free, but it depends on the remote area. If there's less of a demand, there's no charge for it until you actually get to the cities and other locations where there is needed Wi-Fi, and the demand of it goes up because there are more people, more public, more Wi-Fi, but one person in a time of need when they need Wi-Fi to connect I think to something? I think that will be a real thing. I think that's a big question right there For sure. with Wi-Fi in general and connectivity on this planet Earth. Yeah. Well, Let's get kind of deep in this kind of stuff, folks. Yeah. Uh, there was a merger with Starlink and Ver- not Verizon, T-Mobile, somebody. But anyways, they're connecting cell service to satellites. Yeah. So you'll have cell service anywhere in the world, basically, or anywhere in rural parts of the world, which is really cool for people in need, like if it's an emergency. Imagine the demand for that and attaching your name to another name of company. That's big for that company because then you know there's going to be more sales sales for that business because it's uh, going to be more yeah to it. Uh, eventually everything will just be satellite based or like, yeah. I wonder if there's things to invest in, in life, certain things. And if that is something to invest in, make hundreds of thousands, millions off of something that you can buy stock in, or you can invest in and your earnings and gross will double that over time. Unless it fucking drops, you know, like, like Facebook's marketplace, dude, Facebook marketplace the past two years fucking went down. But in the last like year, but if you look at the wave for Facebook, they've had a they lot had big, of growth, a lot of growth for like so long for like a sh- like a good period of time. This is probably like a year and a half to no two to three years, and then it just since the beginning plummeted and dropped and just yeah. imagine. they're still valued like way higher than a while ago though. They are they're what they're two hundred fifty billion. Yeah, I'm not sure. 250 million. Uh, it's got to be billion. It is kind of crazy. It's got to be billions. billionaires. Their value is assessed by like the shares that they own, but those are very volatile. So like Mark Zuckerberg lost half of his net worth within a year. Oh, he did. Yeah, which is like billions of dollars, but he Sells still has to somebody billions. else to control it. Uh, no, the value of the stock just went down. So. Oh. This is a subject to talk to you about later this evening. What, what's going on? <laughs> Text message. <gasps> nothing, boom, boom, boom. nothing bad, good, just future stuff. When you're married, <laughs> you have other priorities. <laughs> and this is like fluff time to my wife, even though this is financially 
and porn. <laughs> Daddy's got to go off and crank some dollies out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I've been on the road like every weekend. Dude, you are a workaholic with the stuff. I mean, I I have a problem in that I can't say no to gigs. I just booked another gig. Yeah. Like this year. <laughs> can't say no to gigs. Like, and that's not a bad problem to have. I was excited. I was excited because they like reached out and it was a Friday that I wasn't booked. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I can like make some money and buy something else. I like basically everything that I've made through this endeavor has just been in buying shit. Nice. And I love shit. <laughs> I, I love nice things. <laughs> nice you, things that make sounds. You've got some, you've got a lot of good equipment here, man. Like you've got, this is, this is. We're working on it. Yeah, I can only imagine we're going to be in two years from now. Uh, let's talk about recording. All right, let's do so it. So you're kind of my studio daddy. Oh, shit. You've taught me most everything that I know about you know, I, building a studio and recording things. I question my authority when it comes to production and when it comes to engineering. It's not my, it's not something I want to get into. It's something I had to get into to figure out. And I'm still figuring it out. I don't think I've, I'm always going to be learning something from the next guy to the next guy. And mm-hmm. I, I would have been like, you know, I wish I would have done it to the project 10 years ago. You know, I've been at this. I've been recording since, God, well. I've been recording since I was 17 years old, and I am 28. I'll be 29 next week. Wait, is it next week? About that, October um, October 8th is my birthday. It's going to be on Saturday. <sighs> it's a week away. Yep. You're getting old, man. Just imagine when I hit 30, my birthday's going to be on a Monday. Oh, and that's the, that's the poopiest day, poopiest time of year to have a... Can you even celebrate turning 30? I feel like you just... I don't know. That that one's sad. You're getting old. <laughs> hey, you're not you're not too far from me, Ty. I know. I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, you're not too far from me, brother. God damn. We're getting old. Yeah. Gosh darn it. Yeah, we are getting old. I'm at that point of age. Um, okay, we're talking about recording, right? Yeah. Okay, I don't want to lose track. Um, as much as I'm having yeah, great time with this conversation. Let's get this train back on track. Okay, yeah. I want to hear some of your techniques with recording, like, vocals. Oh, geez. That and is just, a... like, a, just a simple overview. Or, like, if you... Is there methods used in current pop music oh, yeah. for production? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Um, now, I learned from a bunch of different guys, not just one person in general. I'm always learning something different from everybody else. The only thing different is going to be your DAW. That is going to be like your profile, and you need your to know DAW the, system. You need to know the ins and outs of your profile, right? Your DAW DAW. Yep. Um, don't ask me why it's DAW. Digital uh, audio work workspace space. I suppose. Yeah. Something like that. Close enough. Makes sense. Um, so you're going to learn from a bunch of diff- different people, but let me go to drums first. Let me talk right, about the process right. of drums cool. and how I approach it. And this is great. I just got some uh, nice Audix drum mics. They yeah. sound really great, really good, um, but my problem is I have four inputs on my uh, recording interface, yeah, yeah. so I can't get all... There's seven mics in there. Okay. Anyways. Before we jump into this, I'm going to clap, so this is... 
like if you need to edit and you want to go straight to the part we talked about this, okay, it's just going to be. There you go, folks. There it is. Anyways, if that, I don't know, I should just want to clap. I exaggerated that. Anyways, okay, so starting out with drums, what I what I would do first is have an interface where you have plenty of channels that you can run ones off. That's first off. And that's why I recommend that you get another Apollo because that you have eight channels plus you have four channels on that. So you can run eight, nine, ten. You can run 12 channels and you can run like eight to ten mics in that room and you can get a hell of a great sound out of it. You can get a good sound even if you have even have three or four mics in there. So, uh, the mics that I have are snare, kick, two floor toms, uh, whatever the other tom, right. and then two condenser mics that are like overhead. Yep. So, how would you use a system, a setup like that? Now, first off, I've been in and out of studios, and a lot of the stuff I have has been resampled a bunch of different times. So even if you record drums, you're going to be adding snare samples. You're going to be adding kick samples. If you get caught in a pinch, focus on the cymbals mostly because you can redo those others and take those out. And then you can high pass and low pass filters on those cymbals and take most of that muddiness out. Uh, so no kicks and snares in there. You can really, mm-hmm. and you can, you can, you can take drum software, but that's, that's for diff- another story, but you can get damn good drum sounds in here. If you have, first off, you're going to need, a kick out. Uh, you're going to need a snare top. Um, uh, and you might want to think about having a, a snare bottom too. Um, yeah, having a kick out and you can also have a kick in. I usually do it with two mics. So I experiment with both and then I kind of blend them in. So I have a microphone in and then out and there's certain adjustments on it, but for what you're doing, just do it with one kick and then one on snare top then have two overheads on top and then have a open room mic as well. Um, Can I use my Neumann? Oh yeah. That might should be pretty good. The Neumann would be pretty good, but you, you also want to get something that closes sound off in the back and you just want to get that center point. You know what I mean? We talked, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about this mics a little bit ago that I think the Neumann would be pretty good. You'd have to, you'd have to, you look, okay. So you have those type of mics. So you have one, two, for you have five mics. You may also want to mic the hi-hat. Depends on how much hi-hat is going to be used in the song. The hi-hat is going to be used a lot. Put a 57 on on there and put it like halfway on the cymbals itself. Kind of play around with it in the sound, but there's kind of a sweet spot. And every cymbal is different. And it's always a challenge for me to find the sweet spot because it always takes me time to play around with it. Because I'm on my own. i got to fucking open up a door and come back, close it, and do that six, Those, seven uh, times. The other like condenser mics, assuming. where do you put those? Aren't those for like the cymbals? The like those like thin con- condenser ones? Yeah, which those are probably going to run Fanta Power. You're probably going to have at least three, if not four, mics you're going to be running Fanta Power on. Uh-huh. If you're going to be running two on the kick, you can do a condenser on the inside and then condenser on the outside. No, 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 no. Uh, no condensers on the inside. There's no way in hell. Yeah, that would be. You want a dynamic. Um, you want a dynamic it would microphone. Be a lot. Yeah, yeah. It would just. But. <laughs> yes, but. I there's a trick where you you can take a condenser mic and put it on the outside of the kit, and that's going to capture the boominess of it. And that's usually like about. 
six inches to a foot away from the kit. And you just got to experiment with it. But that is another thing too, because mainly you have that one, the thudness up front and you bring in that, that adds lowness to it. But then I'm about to get to something here, but um, let me recap on where we are at from this point. So you want to have as many mics as, as you can, basically, right? The more the more the merrier, because the more sounds you can play with. You can you can mic the high, you can mic the ride. It just depends on how much you're going to be using what the most, you know, what you want to stick out the most. Uh, but still, you can still get some pretty good sounds with just two overheads, a snare, and a kick mic. And then also recommend a room mic. So about five mics in total, but five, six, seven. If you do seven, you'd be pretty good. But anyways, keep that in mind. Now, the next thing, you want to have your gain. You want to make sure all your gain is set proper. You don't want shit clipping. You want things to be smooth and be just smooth as you can, just coming in straight into the channel. You don't want to clip in an orange. If you do, barely on the orange. Have it clipping on the orange a little bit, but not. don't do it too much. Um, so you want to set all your levels flat, straight like that. So you're not having any gain, any any bad issues it's going to be just a pure sound from what the drums are doing in there next thing you want to do is add a low pass and a high pass filter on that mainly it's just a stock eq of what we'd have like in luna low pass the kick low pass you're going to be you're going to be low passing a lot of stuff you're going to be low passing yep. the kick the snare and the kick is kind of stand up the most so you still want some bottom into that but sometimes um I know it's around the 80 hertz and sometimes 50 hertz, depending on the track. If it's 80, it's more like rock. 80 to 100 kind of depends. If it's more like indie, I don't know. 80 to, 80 to 60 depends on really what you're going for, I suppose. Um, I do mostly rock, so I do like high pass at around 80 hertz, give or take. Um, then also on your cymbals, and this is a trick too. Take your cymbals, low pass all the low end out of those cymbals because cymbals are more that chimey shit. You don't need that low end. That's why you have that kick to do the low end. The two kicks. So that would be a high pass though. No, you still want to low pass that. Um, but still, you might want to put a high pass filter on some higher cymbals too. It yeah. depends on how harsh and gnarly they're going to be. Um, high pass means that you're passing the high and yeah. taking out the lows. And then low pass means you're taking, you're passing the low and taking out the yep. highs. Lows. Yep. 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 So high pass. That too. You think of a high end. And then low pass. Exactly. Yep. So low pass. Yep. Yep. But so you do want a low pass because you're going to get a lot of muddy, woofy. Yeah. But I think you, your terminology is backwards. Boom, on that. boom, boom. Is it? Was it? Oh well, yeah, it's just like high pass means you're passing the high, right? Right. So you're taking out the lows. High pass. Okay, so you have all right. Um, I know we've been drinking a little bit here. Okay, low pass, right? Low pass is like anywhere from like 110 hertz and bringing it down. I mean, even more hertz than that. Like, uh, bring that. It brings it down hertz. High pass are more like up in your like. 14k range 18k 20k um so that kind of stuff to high pass like the 18k and all that kind of stuff it's even more than that high pass low pass is more your lower frequency hertz 
So you're low passing the sounds. That's why there's a high pass and a low pass. Basically, low, high, you're high passing those things to cut out that noise. So if you had a high pass, you're cutting up more of the highs and you keep more of the lows. If you have a low pass, you're cutting up more of the lows and you're actually the highs. And that's what I was trying to explain. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think sense. we need to review our terminology and come back. Okay. We'll uh, give an update on that. I don't claim to know things, but I think we're explaining it wrong. <laughs> Unless you're high passing the lows and yeah. low passing highs. Yep, that's it. It's the exact same. Yeah. It's just terminology. We yeah. understand. It does the thing that yes. you're explaining. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, and that's why the producer would be like, their guy doesn't know his shit. <laughs> but I tell you what, I do know on a mic a fucking drum set. I've done it many times. Yeah. And I can't, I'm not going to let anybody tell me that I don't know how to because I have and I've done it for a couple of years now. And I've seen it been done many times, but I'm not the best either. But I know certain tricks that help with that. Low pass and high pass are, are going to be your key friends that you want to use yeah. to cut those frequencies out. For sure. The snare is kind of the same way too. You still want some low end in the snare, but uh, you don't want it to be too brittle. Some more of the cymbals need to be low passed more, um, low pass filtered. And just have more of the higher mids and, and higher highs in there uh, peeking out. Um, yeah, so you want to make sure you have all that. And, and you kind of want to adjust it on all mics themselves. Yeah. So if that... Okay, so if you're asking my advice, that's, that's um, the first thing Coming back do. to the the condenser mics overhead. Steps I would do. How would you do those, guys? The like, uh, like the needle mics or whatever, the like yeah. skinny ones? So I learned this trick, um, Cubit Studio, and then I saw it been done many times after. Um, with mics, you usually want to have about three to four to five feet. Just depends on the ceiling height and everything. But you want to take like a rope or a cable and adjust it from the center middle of the snare, because like the snare is the middle center of your drum set. So if you take that and you adjust the line or whatever it may be, ruler line ruler tape ruler whatever it may be just adjust that up to i don't know how, how far high you think that is roughly uh it's how, a meter and a half how about the height of this fan right up here give or take it's about four and a half feet yeah so about four and a half feet just as long as just as far as long and it's as just the idea is to make sure that it's the same distance from all the mics so when you hit the when you hit it, it gets to the mic at the same time. Yeah. So you're, there's no weird delay. Yep, because you don't want to have two stereo mics. You're trying to create stereo yep, and then have yep. them out of phase. They're out yep, of phase. Exactly, because they need phase cancel. Weird. Yep. But sometimes you have to put mics out of phase. Well, they're going to be out of phase in the first place. Then you have to put them in phase. That's why on some, comp some uh, uh, EQs and compressors, there's this in phase, out of phase. Sometimes I can get very confusing. I, I've stressed out about this thing a lot and trying to listen hard closely on mic and drums, especially with the kit kick. Um, that was a challenge too. And I actually had since due to the distance, I had to high pass that to cut the frequency back the other way. So the wavelengths were more entwined. It didn't, it didn't have to be perfect. You just moved the, you just shifted it. Yeah. And so you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be experimenting with that. You're going to have to be um, adjusting and being coordinated to that. That's why that trick with that, that line or ruler, tape ruler, for as far as you can stretch your arm up to be, even higher, just really depends on tone. Just, you know, play around with it, have fun, right? Um, two mics right there up top from that distance. And that will keep those pretty much in phase. Now, if you're doing the kick, instead of doing two mics, just do one because you can always add samples on top of that. So 
You can have a program, software programs that will detect the transience of that kick on those beats. And then it will make a MIDI file out of like a, a pre-sampled other drum kit in a pro studio that these producers do. Um, and then you can take that and you can put that on the bottom of your kick and you can adjust the volume on that and you get more depth. And in fact, sometimes you may even want to bring your your live one down and keep the sampled one up more. Some guys don't even have that. That's why I got the, that um, drum set in there. That's all MIDI, dude. And it sounds so damn realistic. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got away from the live aspect of recording in that sense. It's just a lot of work. And when it's something that you just set up and simple and you don't have to deal with any other issues, you know? So I, I do it because of the convenience and the production time I cut down a lot. So I don't, I don't want to focus on the drum aspect, even though I appreciate the the process of doing it. Doing it. Um, but we live in a different age now, so I'm trying to adjust to that. But also know the basics of how something's been done this way through our big records. In fact, actually, the big records that you hear in the 90s, even 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and today. It's not a real drum. More than half that shit sampled. Yeah. I've watched, I've read article after article. I've watched video after video. For I've sure. Most song of after song. Pop, or a lot of pop music is. Yep. Even, um, and you can tell the difference between analog and digital. And if you listen closely, sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference, but you can tell like, for instance, like Goo Goo Dolls, they, I think they recorded the tape or probably just analog, maybe not tape, or maybe it was a, a, a boy called Goo. I think that's what the, it's a good album. Very good album. They're going to be in Salina, uh, Salina, Kansas. Oh, nice. In November, I believe. Tickets are going for like 75 bucks and it's sold out. That arena holds like twelve hundred people. Wow, a lot of people. I've seen them uh, two times. <laughs> Have you? Pretty good. Yep, both with my mom. Awesome. I love your mom, by the way. She's such a sweet lady. Yeah. Your dad's pretty cool. Yeah. Your dad's a little hard to talk to, but your mom is just makes up for just. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, you got an awesome family. Thank you, sir. Especially when I see your mom at school. She's just like, she's such a mother figure. If you don't need anything, let me know. Oh, uh, yeah. God dang, dude. I have her as uh, Mama Ty. Mama <laughs> Ty's mom. <laughs> she's always excited to see you, too. That's cool. The other time she, she's called, it says, it says Mama Ty. <laughs> Wait, you call my mom? No, no, I have her cell number because I had to reach reach out for hey, man, in the past. That's my mom. That's weird. That's, 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 I'm, but, joking. that's I'm joking. I'm joking. Just playing with you. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I know you do business with my mom. Just <laughs> shit. <laughs> you goober, Ty. <laughs> Damn goober. That's why I love this guy, folks. Ty, Ty Rempe, everybody. Um. Okay, so that's the process on like the live drum set. Now, okay. Talk about vocals next. Yeah, I, let's do it. Let's take a break. I got. I got to pee real quick. All right, we'll take a break. Okay. Here. I need another Miller High Life. All this right. podcast is sponsored by Miller High Life. The champagne of bottled beers. If the sponsorship is real, that would be awesome. Modern folk, they make good friends. Tell you, got me all messed up, man. We're back here, live with KJ Bowers. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Sipping that. Miller High Life. Second one down, I got a nice buzz brewing. Uh, we were about to talk about vocals. Okay. Just a, a brief overview to make solid, clean vocals. I know a lot of pop, pop artists use like a 7B, like what we're talking into today, mm-hmm. and then just compress the f- hell out of it. 
there are a few things there there's going to be like there's going to be eq compression eq and compression and then eq and then parallel compression and then effects okay like, before I mean, we get into that let's just do a uh, overview of like dubbing and like most pop songs there's a lot of vocals added on it's not just one voice okay so is there kind of a recipe that people would use yeah for, first off when you're doing production tracks always have your low pass and high pass filters right so low pass to high filters and or the high frequencies and yeah, it cuts it out yep and uh high we pass uh, reviewed during the break so a high pass filter means that it passes the high and then at a certain frequency it cuts off anything below it and then a low pass mm-hmm. at a certain frequency cuts out any frequency above it yep so that's basically the gif now you'd always want to have that on your vocal track so you can get take the you can take the lows out more so that that's keep that in mind too but again also depends on the track if you're just doing an acoustic thing and you're doing voice thing you may not need anything but you still may don't want to do that yeah cut out all the frequencies that the human voice doesn't produce. You, you can actually make the sound and and tweak it you can tweak it better than what it sounds you can tweak it while you're doing the performance so you can actually low pass the the performance of it when it records so you can what you're hearing is what's being recorded basically so you can do that, and that also helps. You can EQ and take some of that that uh, lows the lows out. Um, that that would probably be the first thing I'd want to add to it. The next thing it would be a compressor, like an LA two A or um, yeah, the LA two A. There, there's there's all there's two LAs. That, well, there's a couple of them, but the black one works pretty nice. That really That's compresses the it. Yeah, that, oh, I think thing. you may have that too in your Universal Audio. Yeah, there's a few. That one's pretty ones. nice. And then you may want to listen to it and you say, maybe I need to add some highs into it. So you may want to add another EQ to that, add some highs. You may want to adjust some of the mids to it as well. Then once you like that and you feel like it needs more, then you can actually do a parallel compression on it. (coughs) Sorry to sneeze. Bless you. And what is parallel compression? Parallel compression basically compresses different parts of the frequency itself. So if you look at a parametric EQ, it blocks off sections. And each section you can actually compress down just those frequencies themselves. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. It, it's kind of, it can get pretty confusing. And what is your, what's the idea there to compress the frequency that like your vocals would be in? Yeah, if something's peaking out a bit more, even though you like the ah, highs, so you but take it, down it, 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 it do needs to be different. compressed. It's like the it's like the final touches of a compressed sound, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this, a lot of this too, folks, is when you have these tracks, you want to do like you you want to you want to EQ compress EQ and compress on the main that main channel that you have. But if you do a parallel compression, make yourself a bus or a send. Right, buses are really nice because then you can yeah. control multiple. Like, put all your vocals in one bus. Yep. So, if you have that, so if you have that, um, that will... We are taking a photo right now, folks. For the, 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 for those of us, for those of <laughs> you just tuning in to the audio, which is the only thing that we're doing here. Yeah. Hey, tell me something here. What's up? What's up with the, uh, um, with the leaves? Uh, so those are eucalyptus leaves, and I got those from Hank and Katya's wedding, 
which is a wedding that I DJed for. Uh, nice. They're friends of mine. Okay. I made friends with the florist. And so I got some of that so I could put it in my shower. And, Does it help um, with anything? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like medicinal. It's just good, good energy to have around. And I like the way it smells. Mostly I like the way it smells. Cool. But anyways, yeah. at this wedding, the florist was setting up and I came over. I was like, oh, I love eucalyptus. Keep that going. I want to grab a Kleenex. Yep. And I said I was going to take a leaf. And she said, that's fine. And then later in the night, she gifted me this pile of eucalyptus. And I was thrilled. So happy. So, yeah, I have it on my wall. And I have it in my shower. And it's uh, just good to have around. It's good to uh, make friends with florists. You know, at the the event on Sunday, you might have a heyday looking at some of the uh, the type of lotions, type of body washes. They've got a lot of have. lotions. Well, they have scented things like like I ah. I sprayed this cologne thing on that she had there. It's actually pretty good. Not my style. I might try the other one tomorrow for snits and sniggles. See if I like it. They got it. any Creed? No, they don't have any Creed, unfortunately. But they have some really nice fragrant smells. I looked up how much a bottle of Creed is. And oh, it's expensive. It's expensive. Three, four hundred bucks for one. Yeah, three hundred dollars to smell like a sex line. You know, a they, panther of love. <laughs> I tell you that Creed stuff, man. It gets into your pores. It does something with your sweat glands that when you sweat, it it transforms into your own odor. In your own odor is your perfume mixed in with that yeah, perfume. And so pheromones. it's like makes it I was turning myself on with my own pheromones. With that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> just smelling myself. My nose is so used just to it. Dripping testosterone. I did my nose is so used to it that I didn't have the much enjoyment as the smell as I did years back. But I think that's due to because I might I, mine might be going stale actually. So I can smell it right now. Can you? Oh yeah. I mean it, it smells for a long time. It, uh-huh. even the silver mountain water creed stuff is exquisite it's good stuff do you think the band creed uses creed i bet they do i, I probably want to doubt it because this is a french company they've been around since the 1750s to oh, 17 so before the band 1700s creed. somewhere around there oh yeah way before that they've been making cologne all the way back then folks 1700s creed cologne oh my goodness they've been developing that science and it's it's well known to be one of the best well-known top quality colognes you can get on the market and it's it's not like it's no twenty dollar cologne it's no hundred dollar cologne it's a couple hundred dollar cologne but it also depends on the bottle that you get to i think it's made with pure testosterone who the hell knows from a, maybe just a stud horse they milk it <laughs> and put it into bottles and then put it on humans <laughs> uh it's good stuff folks if you've ever heard it uh so so should we keep going about the vocal thing uh yeah Okay, so you want to EQ, compress, EQ, and compress. Depends on how many times. Just really depends on what you're doing. I usually EQ it, then compress it, then EQ it again. And then I'll probably add, um, I'll send that to a bus and then do parallel compression from that point on. So, but a lot of the time, like, I'm spending so much time doing guitars at one point, and then I'm spending so much time doing bass at one point. Then I'm doing drums at one point again so my attention span is like going left and right to all these things sometimes i gotta i gotta restudy i gotta re um read up on my 
uh, mixing abilities off and on to keep it fresh. Um, and, coming back to vocals, just like yeah. the uh, like dubbing yourself. So you, typically you would sing and you would continue to sing over it. Yeah. And what's your method panning left and right? So if you have choruses, that. if you have choruses, you want to perform the same performance two more times and pan that left and pan it right and then have the center performance going. That is going to give you more stereo width sound. But you also want to dub them too where you dub it once, maybe even twice again and then like pan it like 20 or 30% in the middle so it's like a hard but it also depends on the section. So maybe the one section you just want to have it straight in the front with the effects. And then you want to have another track that's got the dub on it, but it adds more frequency width to it. And then you add another layer of it and you dub it left and right. And then you pan that 20, 30, give or take on both sides to like maybe a bridge that build up adds more thickness to it, adds more width. And then when the chorus comes in, pulling the ones that are panned left and right as dubs. Boom, straight up. And then do the same thing in the harmonies too. Just uh, overdub your harmonies and then pan one left, pan one right, add them in. Sometimes you can even harmonies in the middle. It really just depends on the mix of the track. And I haven't mastered that, to be honest. I still got a lot of work I got to figure out to do on, on my tracks. But I've, I've what I've known is I've, I've done a lot of harmonies and that's how I usually approach that kind of stuff. And I'm always experimenting more with harmonies. And even in just in the main vocal, one thing to never run your effects into one channel, run it through a bus and then have your bus send that effect over to that channel. Cause you will deal with a lot of issues. If you have like a compressor EQ and then reverb, then compression, it gets weird, but it really depends on the person who's doing what on that track. So, I mean, it could be Joe Blow. Um, that could be the biggest producer or it could be Joe Blow. That's the, like the producer that lives in his mom's basement, you know, um, who's to say either or may know or may not know. You, so you get me, you feel me? I feel you. It takes a kind of disciplined musician to sing vocals like that because you'd have to sing it exactly the same many, many times. And even the harmonies, every... Uh, like I'm a vocalist. And I'm I, I can be self conscious of myself at times, so I'm um I'm I'm hard on myself. And I've as a vocalist, I, I try to put myself up to a certain standard. And um, I I, I don't want to fall short, you know. And I want to do my best every performance I can and every recording session. Um, that's the soft side for any singer, I think, because I feel it. And it oh. It's kind of, kind of thing when your voice isn't doing well and you know it's not doing well and you get pressured to do things, it sucks. You feel like you're worth nothing. And that's hard. That's that's when like depression for me comes in as a singer and an artist and then trying to manage that. That is, uh, I, I do it on a daily basis actually. Yeah. Well, just hearing your voice is a very like intimate thing. It is. And it's also different too. If you, it doesn't sound right. And if you EQ it a certain way, and you track yourself, it's a lot easier to hear yourself compared to having channels that are clipping and just are hard. I've done I've done a handful of sessions that way, and I'm like, oh, God, if I just had a better vocal take out of that, it would have been better. So you may run into that. depends on how much you get into it. But like, if you go back to the basis, have all your channels as clean as they can. Don't let them clip. You know, Have the gains down. Don't let them clip. If you got one preamp that's pushing hardcore, 
you need another preamp because it's in the Apollo, keep that Apollo all the way down as much as you can. Don't let it clip. Um, or vice versa. It's like a volume adjustment. You turn the volume up here, this could get loud over here, so you got to turn this and adjust. It's always adjusting volume adjustments. Once you get the volume adjustments down, then it's EQ, it's compression, and parallel. And that's kind of the main trick, I think, of everything. But it works in the science. I studied the hell out of YouTube. I, I listened, I read articles on this stuff. I have cheat sheets that I follow. Not cheat sheets, just guiding follows. Sheets that I follow every once in a while if I feel like I'm... What am I doing something wrong here? I need to go back to the basics because I always feel like I had to go back to the basics at times because I'm so focused on either the writing or focused on the performing, doing cover music, or I'm focused on the recording aspect, or I'm focused on fucking with my pedal to get the best fucking tone as I can. And then mic and guitar cabinets, I mean, it's... I'm, I'm kind of venting a little bit because it can be frustrating at times for one person to do it all. And when... That's why there's pro professionals that do this stuff for a living and they get things done within six hours for doing a song or two. Even Actually, some songs even take longer than that. A lot of producers have the musicians come in and cut the tracks. Then they'll produce around those tracks and spend other time and just take their time on it. I think that is a true producer instead of it going in, just cutting shit and mixing it and being done with it. I've done projects like that. It's not good. It's not real. And it's not authentic. So you th- you're saying it's more authentic to, like, post-produce it? To produce, to have the producer, like, put their take on it? Once the song flavor? is done and finished and, like, it's good, uh-huh. then it's time to record it. Even times I'll go back in and rechange things, like, uh, rewrite or something. But it's all about the song, and then everything else is based off the drums, then the bass, guitars, and vocals. Actually, it's actually the drums, vocals. Those are the main ones to really focus on when I look at production work. Once you have the main drum beat in your head and the line, and you have the vocal line, those are the main things you want to capture. Then you can build everything else on top of that. Then you can re-record the demo aspect of vocals that you are tracking to that same same track within that within that session. Then you can build from there. And I've got so many sessions I'm working on. I mean, I've probably done a. I've probably done. Oh God, I've probably written. 2022 I've probably written eight or nine songs past two years I probably have about a good 20 some songs that I've written I'm working on currently right now and then also I've been working on a few different artist projects like Ken Savvy for instance I've been doing two for him two songs for him but we're going to the studio on October 16th no October 22nd 23rd in Springfield Missouri sweet yeah so I'm gonna take you're gonna track some of your songs no, I'm tracking his songs. Oh, oh yeah, I see. That's so it, the the guy you did the festival with. Yep. So he uh, uh, he asked if I wanted to come down and and uh, of course pay me for my time, you know, and cover my stay in food, which is great. Um, so I'm gonna go down there and we're just gonna go at it into as many parts as he wants and what he th- feels best and what the producer feels best. So I'm uh, I look at this as like. Even though I'm an artist myself, I got to know my place when I'm working with another artist and realize what project that they're doing because I don't want to have some ego trip and be think it should be done this way when it's really their project, even though you're just giving your suggestion to something. And then whatever they suggest, just play what they want to play and try to learn it as best you can. That's the challenging part at times. It's, it can be feeling pressured in something that there's always someone better than you that can do do your job, but do the job that you're trying to do, but 
I've gone through these songs quite a bit. I feel pretty confident on these tracks. And of course, uh, the producer is going to add some tracks here and there and layer guitars and whatnot. Um, it's going to be fun. Six songs within a whole week. That's going to be a whole That's a lot. Yep. It's going to be like an EP for him? Mm-hmm. Cool. <clears throat> so he's in a band called After Party, Ken Savvy was and then uh i think he went to the name ken rice for a while then he stopped doing music for like 10 years had a baby had a kid and now she's grown up well not grown up he's at the point where he can take time to do things now this is getting back into the music and he's i think he's yeah basically recruiting me i like working with him because because i believe in his music it's that good it's like if it's some just random project I'm not going to do. Like, I actually really dig these songs. They're like... That's the beauty of being an artist or a musician. Um, to help somebody else make their art and to be a tool for them to... I'm their tool. They're painting the canvas. Exactly. You're and a brush. I'm a brush. He's dipping your ass in paint and smearing you all over Even though I don't canvas. like the black at the tip of my the tip of my. You got to take it. I got to take it. You know? He's got. He's smearing that ass. You ain't smearing that ass. That's why I do the KJ Bowers thing and the Motorco thing. You know, I, I, and Motorco is different because I want. It's more of a band situation in in yeah. writing together. And that's the cool thing with a band, because you can take musicians as paintbrushes, but they're different styles or different types. As and then as they put their own style into exactly. the central vision. Yep. As long as everybody's on the same page with the song, the writing, the structure, mm-hmm. everything else is just butter from there. When it comes to working, that's why I look forward to working with Ben too. He seems very into that. Like he, he's he's good. We're gonna have to he's get, a beautiful paintbrush. He is. He's a, he's a good guy too. He knows his gear too. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm so he, glad you found this guy. <laughs> Living in Kansas, man, where we live, folks. If you don't know where we live, we live in the bum fudge of nowhere, and Kansas and Nebraska. Yep. Really, I mean, just towns to three thousand people for like hours on end. You know. Yep. I'm tell you, the big cities, which are like three hours away from anywhere. I mean, it took me two and a half hours to get here. Kansas City is three and a half hours from Beloit. You know, same thing as Concordia. Yep. So me and uh, Ben Fox, we lived together for like six years. I remember you telling me that. So we went to college together. Yeah. So he's been a, a classic old time friend. He seems pretty cool. And then he lived in Nashville for a while and came back to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I almost think the middle of nowhere is probably a better off place to be. I almost think it is. You may not be in the scene with everybody else's, but I mean, that's why you have Wi-Fi. And that's why you can travel and do things. Life I, is uh, certainly easier out here. It is. Traveling kind of gets to me though, you know, when you're doing things far away, projects and stuff, because you have certain expectation to to be up here full time. And sometimes it's hard to keep up on that, especially if you get sick brings your energy level down or you have a crisis or, or do you think you could do the road like if you had a tour or if you were opening for a band i could do i could do a two three week run on things i can do those kind of things and i would do that maybe once or twice a year other than that my 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 wife would probably hang me by the fucking neck so that's why if i look at 12 months out of the year i can take two and a half maybe three months and I can adjust that. And maybe I can adjust it here in the beginning of the summer here tour or the fall season tour or the winter tour. I don't know, whatever it may be. Yeah. But I'd rather be doing like what I'm doing now is like I like this process because I'm booking the shows. I'm not nobody's taking a cut off of, from doing a yeah. book and fee or anything. I'm doing it on my own. 
Um, <laughs> I've been kind of acting like I've been on the road or like touring just in my mind. So I have a wedding every single week. And last weekend was in Valentine, which is four and a half hours away. So it felt like I dedicated the whole weekend to this gig. And I had another gig on Friday. You know what? And I've just been driving all around. You know, Ty, it's, it's the same thing. You know, even as a musician, even if you're not playing music, you're I DJ. think it's the same amount of work. Yeah, I think so too. It's different. And it's... It's the DJ aspect, not the artist aspect. Yeah, you know, not the music aspect. It's the music aspect as in DJing that people look at, but they don't look at it as in the music aspect. Uh, I I kind of see it as I'm practicing for something more. More. <laughs> I look at hey, this acoustic thing because it's I, the same amount of work. Like it's the same wear on my body. Yep. Uh, probably more because I'm moving equipment, setting it up two times a week, Friday and Saturday. Shit. Yeah. Just driving all over. I feel, dude. I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little gel, gel, a little envious of you for what you do, um, that because that's, first off, I know you're getting paid good fucking money for it. Second off, I know that you're the perfect person to be doing it, and you've done it for years, and it's impressive as shit. Yeah. I don't know any guy. I don't know any other guy like you. I know some other DJs and stuff that I've met throughout the years, but, um, you're a neat cat because you're not only a DJ, you're a musician. You're Ty Rimpy. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. I don't want to toot my own horn, but <laughs> You're I will cool. say <laughs> I don't know any other TJs who know the fundamentals of the physics behind, like, or even the electrical engineering behind just setting up things and... We're the rock stars in... Yeah. In, 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 I feel in like I'm, I'm getting area. close to mastering that craft. Yep just playing music for you know, people you know the thing is too you're doing your dj thing that's even perfect for band gigs too because just imagine the beginning you could add 10 minutes on a set and just play music and yeah. just just fill time to get the crowd interacting get them going and then you perform for your 20 30 40 minute set whatever mm-hmm. it is then there's a whole hour right there then you can go for another i take an intermediate break and then entertain the crowd doing something with some djing stuff some type of i music. haven't figured it out yet but I want to do live music with aspects of DJing. I'd love to work with you. And on that's that kind of what you're explaining. And that's, it's, it's all great. It's all just put on a show. Uh huh. DJs, festival DJs are really fun. You can do things that you can't do mm-hmm. with a band, but I really like live music. And if we could combine that, what if, what if you, what if we were to do, hear me out. What if we were to do the show with Motorco? They also DJ towards the end of the night with it. So like you're you're showcasing the band, but then you're also showcasing the DJing towards the end. I think like live live DJing. So like keep but the like, musicians playing while I DJ. That's a good point. And then I could mix songs and not play like songs, playlists, like song to song. But then people are gonna want to hear stuff that's gonna be well, it depends. They're gonna hear stuff that's gonna be wanna be covers. Music or original music? Well, that's where the DJ comes in. Like, yeah, the DJ, because like the weddings that I do, so I sample songs, so mm-hmm. I don't play the whole song, and people eat that shit up. If you're just like throwing banger after banger, like if I know there's 30 minutes left of the dance and I have 
50 more songs that I have and that I haven't played, mm-hmm. I'll just sample and like blast them out. And if it's done appropriately, people love it because it gives them no excuse to like leave. How would you how would you intertwine that in with a band? Performing? Just have a band play over music. Like the DJ would just be another instrument. So I you wonder, know like, you know Limp Biscuit. But you yeah, but you wouldn't be playing like you wouldn't be DJing the music over the music's being played, would you? Unless you it's can, like if it's done tastefully. And that is that's that's a key question right there. That's a key question. So I've been on a recent Limp Biscuit phase. Cause <laughs> Fuck I have too the past two months. I saw you know, I saw you them think at you're special. Yeah. You man. know. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. Uh, so DJ Lethal is the DJ in that group, and he actually plays as if he's another instrument. So DJ Lethal's from House of Pain, like jump, jump, don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like right. he's the DJ from that, and he's not just like scratching to add like sound. He's actually playing other samples with the band, yeah. and it's this very complex instrument because mm-hmm. you have a trained dj there i guess and I that's really cool like limp biscuit's kind of weird and i don't know if yeah it's abrasive but there's bangers in there and it's my and way. it's a cool way, it's a I'm yeah my way on highway yeah i did it for the nookie i did it for the nookie come on so you get to get a cookie and stick it up your uh, stick, stick it up, up your, your <laughs> stick it up your did you know i watched the woodstock version of that oh nice so i think that's what stemmed it for me i haven't seen that documentary though it's on netflix it's nuts uh uh what's his dirtsome is his name yeah chad is it chad (laughs) anyways this guy you know he he was he was living in the moment he was soaking it all in i don't think he people say he did it on purpose to just to keep it going fred durst yeah but yeah he was gliding on a, a crowd of people on a fucking piece of wood like to live that experience, to see that, like that—that that was is a wild nuts. festival. That was, and that's probably one of the shittiest, most experiences. You know how much that festival cost? Like for tickets or ten million, ten to close to twelve million. I think that's what it was for the production of it, or the full thing. It's okay. millions, millions were involved, and it all got fucked. Uh, people said they had a good time that they played it off, but no. Uh, there's sewage. I don't think people had. There was sewage backing up in the drinking water. It was poorly managed. Very poorly managed. Like, and it was the shittiest thing. Yeah. Some rich guy that probably just sat back in his home in Hawaii or something, then just like controlled everything over the phone. Which you can't. I don't think you can do that. You got to. They be had uh, four dollar water water bottles and not adequate water for people, so they had to like buy these waters. And they're outrageously expensive, right? Uh huh. People are pissed. Five bucks and for a like, bottle of water. Dehydrated so. and like dying horrible <laughs> yeah if that ever was does i was thinking about this is that could ever happen in the midwest to have like a a uh a um festival like that call it uh call it the same thing but be the new generation year convince the people to have millions it's like i bet if you had one guy you could you can convince to put five million up for something he's going to expect you to convince somebody else to put five million up and that's donation money to the deal, and then it's going to be non-funded, so it's kind of play money. But you got to talk to millionaires that have fucking millions. Like, they got to have like two hundred fifty to four hundred million to be like, all right, I'll give you five million if you do this, and it'd be for the mankind of people and for the event itself. That would be 
but then everything comes down to your shoals to make it a realistic thing. Do but you know these millionaires? I've met, you know, I've probably been through, I've probably been around a couple of them actually in my lifetime. Let's uh, befriend them and throw a festival. Um, I worked for one guy, one of his companies for a while, but um, there's other people managing it at the time that kind of brought me under their wing and uh, it got really weird. And then I ended up getting let go. Most people ended up getting fired. Then I ended up getting hired back. It's kind of a weird situation, weird deal. I liked it though. I learned a lot too being around people. But I tell you, you deal with fucking egos. Like nobody's business at a music store. You deal with fucking egos. Imagine Guitar Center, but an independent store. Such so free fucking gain for any any ego to want to stick his dick out on the counter. Yeah. And yeah, we we don't support that. No, no dicks on the counter. Fuck no. Especially ones that would take advantage of you and take advantage of your time. Yeah. You know, and like. Yeah, phony people, man, and just snaky, just snake, just a snake hiding in the grass, just waiting to bite, waiting for the right time to bite. But hey, those are learning life lessons. I, I've I've been through a few of those in my lifetime. You know, I'm kind of glad I went through them, but I'm kind of glad I wish I saw it ahead of time. Well, Caleb, we think, man, are you getting hungry? I'm getting very hungry. Should we get a bite to eat? I'm getting a little hungry. I think we should go just ramble around the hay market. People and, might think uh, we're a gay couple. You want to hold hands walking down the street? We can. <laughs> Lincoln is a very inviting community. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, Caleb, brother. Yes. Let's do it. Brother thanks Ty. for coming out. Hey, man, I enjoyed it. Thanks for, thanks, for, thanks for the hospitality, man. I appreciate this. And anything I can do to help around here, please let me know. I love what you're doing the setup, and I love to be a part yes, of. Yes, sir. Come up to Lincoln whenever you want. Thanks, man. I like it up here. You got a really nice pad here. Congratulations it's, on it's, this. This is like it's a, something special. It is special. It is special, and and it's very unique, and it's it's really cool. Really cool, man. All right, buddy. Let's get some uh, food. All right, let's do this. Ciao.